Welcome to Homestead Story. We're Peter and Kristen. Join us as we share a new but old kind of family life. Hello, everyone. This is Peter and Kristen coming to you from our beautifully sunny homestead. Yes, this is exciting. It's May. It's the end of May, May 31st, and... We're coming into June, and we're coming into my all-time favorite season. I am such a summer girl. I love summer. Yes. So excited. Yes. <laughs> I'm cold for most of the year, and then it's my turn to be comfortable, and everybody else is, like, dying Right. Late. <laughs> it hits 90 degrees, and I'm like, oh, I can't handle life. I'm like, I'm going to go for a run. Oh, I love this. Let's bask outside in the heat. Kristen goes for a run on a 90-degree day, and it's like... Barely glistening when she gets back. I remember this going for a run one time, and this guy in a car was like, Excuse me, do you know that it's code red? (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what that means. Like, that means really hot or something. Yeah, people like me die on code red days (laughs) when we go running. (laughs) Um, so, So we have a little bit of exciting news. We have decided that we are going to start a YouTube channel. Now, we are not like... Wait, which we started three years ago <laughs> and had like two videos. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Okay. So Pete and I do not care about being like, we're not trying to build an empire of homestead story or something. We're not, yeah. we're not trying to become like big homesteading celebrities. We literally just, it's fun for us to share information. Yeah, and we love talking about gardening and homesteading. And so. if we can just inspire a couple people to homestead or to plant a tree, then we're happy. So, so what happened is, um, you know, we were kind of thinking, what's the best way to share information? And then I guess, how many, how long ago did we start this podcast? Like yeah, four years ago or something? Right, yeah. So about four years ago, we felt like the best way to share information is kind of talking about what we're doing. Right. Um, and then recently I was like, oh, I'd love to share pictures of what we're doing. So I started Instagram, but now it's becoming like, everything is so big. Like people are asking me for videos and pictures of the orchard and I'm like, it's so huge. I can't even get a picture of this orchard. So we feel like maybe sharing some videos of what, what we're doing, what it looks like, how to do it, uh, that could be helpful. So we put up our first, um, YouTube video. Well, other than the other ones that we were just kind of which, playing around with, which clearly we have a little learning to do. We <laughs> we didn't title it, so it came in with a default title, "My Movie." <laughs> you can like, see my movie. <laughs> <laughs> pretty lame. Yes, we're not like we're really not trying that hard. So, yes, it's yeah. not. We're just kind of. Hey, if you want to see our our cool weather garden, then you can see it on YouTube. I don't even know how do you find it on YouTube. Just um, Homestead. We Story. have a channel, Peter Homestead Story. All one one word. You can subscribe Peter or not. And Kristen. Whatever you want. Yeah, to or do. If there's like, oh, I really want to. Yeah, there's just so many things. Like, I would love for Peter to be able to show how you how you train the trees or yeah. how you plant stuff and what things look like when they're when they're harvesting. There's so many plants that we have in our orchard that I didn't even know existed, and so I think it'll be fun to be able to show like, hey, here's what a hazelnut. I mean, I knew hazelnuts existed, but um, yeah. a lot of the other berries like elderberry and. Um, gooseberry and right. goji berries. It's just kind of cool to be like, look at this. Look, this is what this looks like if you want this in your in your garden or something. So, but it's um, funny. So, so Kristen, well, and me too. We were a little nervous. There's so many, uh, shall we say, rude people on the internet. We were we were nervous about the comment section, so we turned off the comments. So, sorry, there's no comments on our video. But you can email us if you have questions. Yeah, we were like, <laughs> we're doing this for free, and we don't actually. 
right. care that much. So I really don't want to deal with people's comments. <laughs> mean, mean internet people's comments. Yeah. So yeah, we just are. We're, we really are. Our goal is to just share some things here and there. So if if you're a podcast person, we've got some podcasts. If you're an Instagram person, I'll post a picture maybe every few weeks. The other thing is, I'm so I feel so strongly about this. I always want to be doing homesteading and not just like talking about homesteading or right. taking pictures of homesteading or it's kind of like sometimes we, you know, in the in the Christian life, we talk a lot about God and not, you know, we don't always talk enough to God and I I feel like I don't want to just be posting pictures and videos and talking about homesteading. I I mean, we have to do it and it takes a lot of time and if if I have to take a picture 20 times a day, that would get really annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So, but we'll share when we can. So that's just kind of what we do and it's free information. So yeah. I hope that it's helpful to some people. But yeah, our first video is about um, just the kales and the lettuces and the spinaches that we have and the asparagus that we have growing. And we'll kind of show things throughout the season as they are in harvest. Yeah. So I can't wait for the tomatoes. I'm so excited about the tomatoes. They're gonna, <laughs> I think I'm always like, I am just dead set on having awesome tomatoes this year. Yeah. Hopefully it works. We'll see. <laughs> and we built whatever 16 times 8, whatever that is, feet of trellises. So <laughs> hopefully we have the tomatoes work out because we put a lot into those trellises. Yeah, I'm really excited about the trellises. So um, when, when we have a tradition in our house, when a child turns 6, we give them their own garden. So we have, like we've said, we have this huge forest garden, I don't know, somewhere a little less than an acre yes. about. And we give the kids like a corner of it. Basically we give them a little corner that they get to plant whatever they want to plant. Right. And little means probably 18 by 18. So a, a square, mm -hmm. fairly large. <laughs> yeah. So they, when they're six, they get that garden. So we've got our little six year old here and he's going to tell everybody what's in his garden. This is Nico. Well, I have an Asian pear and um, a sand apple, and I have two um, sunflowers to keep um, my three um, blueberry bushes from the birds um, taking all the blueberries, you know. Yeah. All right. And gooseberry. It has so many gooseberries on it, and... Oh, yeah, watermelon. It's like three inches big. When did you plant your watermelon seed? About like two weeks ago or so. Wow. Maybe. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. You can have lots of good fruit in that garden. Did you put, didn't you put some strawberries in there? Oh, yeah. Put one strawberry in there about like three days ago or so. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. And are you weeding your garden at all? Yeah. He does all the weeding. I haven't done any. Wow, Nico, that's awesome. Can't wait to see your garden. Yeah. Very and they, exciting. They have their little seedlings, and sometimes if it, you know, they just planted it and it's hot, they bring out a cup of water and water it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great job. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Nico. <laughs> so we've also been doing some, so Peter has been home for months yeah. now. <laughs> yes. Which has been just amazing. Incredible. Oh my gosh. This is like, it feels like this is what life is meant to be like working. I mean, he's working very, very hard, but working on our farm. So right. it's been amazing. Yeah. It's been wonderful. So In these trying times, it's hard for so many people, but I'm enjoying not having a job for a little while. Yeah. It's wonderful. Um, so yeah, he's just been working on the farm and, um, we have been doing lots of, lots and lots of projects. And one of our projects is, well, 
soon we have meat chickens coming. We ordered a bunch of meat chickens. Right. We've done turkeys and we've um, butchered some of our old laying hens, but this will be our first time with actual meat chickens. So. Right. We did the Cornish rocks. Yeah, so we'll let you know how that goes. But one neat thing is one of the projects that we did was in this area in our basement, we kind of put in like, we made it like a little, I don't know, kitchen kind of area. Yeah. And Peter ran plumbing and put in this big commercial sink. Right. So we're going to have this awesome like... Right, the sink and the countertops and all of that. Because uh when you do chickens, I mean, especially meat birds, but even when you're processing old hens, it's just... It can be very intimidating to have to process all of these birds, very time-consuming and everything else. And we've talked about doing that before, but we want to make it as easy as possible because if we are going to do meat chickens, and ideally we can start doing them every year and, and do at least enough that we can we can take care of all of our chicken needs, which is a lot for a six-person family. Right, but I'm just excited to have that area to clean them and have yeah. that like big, huge commercial sink to really like... Right. Big pots of water and yeah. all of that. Very, very excited about that. So we'll let you know how the meat chickens go in a few months. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. All right. So we've had more and more questions about the forest garden because it's coming into its own. We're starting to talk about it more. When we started doing this podcast, we didn't talk too much about the forest garden because it was still in its young phase. And I get somewhat annoyed sometimes when people try and put content out there about stuff that you know, like they have no experience in it but they learned from other people and now they're going to talk all about it themselves and so we've been holding off a lot on that but it's really coming into its own now and I feel like I've learned so much over the last you know I guess I've been doing this for seven years now I'm starting in our old house and mm. and I was completely inspired by the permaculture orchard video with uh, Stefan Subkoviak. I've talked about that before. And then Paul Gauchi and Back to Eden. Mm -hmm. I was very inspired by all of those things. And so I'm doing some kind of a mix between the two. Um, but now, after seven years, I feel like there's so many important lessons, things I wish I had known. They were puzzling to me because they weren't in the videos looking back. And so we're going to go over some of that because um, I think it would be really helpful if this is the kind of thing that you want to do. So... We definitely recommend watching the Back to Eden video. I guess is it, you can see it on YouTube. Or yeah, it's on it's on YouTube, I think, or Vimeo or something like that. It's free on the internet. Yes, and that just really gives you so much... Because Paul Gauchi has been doing this for, what, 30 years or something, yeah. a long time, yeah. and we're just kind of learning from him. So you can get a lot of information, great information from him on Deep Mulch. Yeah, he's a cool guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so definitely watch the video first, and... That's the thing is he's been doing this for for like 30 years or something. So he's got an incredibly established garden. Mm -hmm. I was listening to Jeff Lawton one time, who's one of the biggest permaculture guys out there. And he was talking about how a lot of times what we want when we have these big projects is for, you know, to come in and have this huge project done. And, and he sees things like this. And then those big projects degrade over time. It's like put this huge system in place and now it has to be maintained and everything else. And what he wants to see when projects are done is something starts small and then grows over time. And so that's, that's the way a tree works. It starts as a, a nut or a seed and then grows into a full tree over years. And I think that's definitely the right outlook for a deep mulch style, um, mm -hmm. back to Eden style, whatever you want to call it, garden, is that 
it's going to be small at first. And if you're planting trees, they come small. And then everything from the soil health to the quality of the trees to the vegetables that it's putting out, I think it's better. And Paul says it gets a little bit better every year. <clears throat> but when you see his garden, it's a 30-year-old garden. So mm. I don't think you just get that right off the bat unless you already have incredible soil, which we didn't, which we don't have here. Ours mm-hmm. is this, this thick red clay. It's... Um, it's, it's not a great environment for, for little seedlings and lettuces and carrots and stuff to grow. And mm-hmm. so we're seeing it get better every year legitimately. Um, but the first thing is, I think, is if you want this kind of garden is to be patient. You know, there are a few things that we move when we talk about deep mulch. We're talking about um, 12 inches or more of wood chips laid on the ground, which is an incredible amount of mulch. Yes, which probably won't happen by going to the store and buying like a thousand bags of mulch. Oh <laughs> yeah, it would be I mean, so expensive. How many bags of mulch? If we had, we did not do bags of mulch, but if we had bought bags of mulch, how many bags do you think? I don't know. I don't even know the, the number of truckloads. Probably so, ten thousand. Yeah, we've got a friend down the street um, who who operates a tree business and. I didn't know him when we moved in, but I just looked for tree guys near near us, and I found him, and he started bringing us wood chips because here in Maryland, people don't want it. So the tree companies end up with truckloads and truckloads of wood chips, and they have to do something with them. So a lot of times they have to take them to these mulching facilities, and they actually pay um, to drop off the wood chips. And so that's an added expense for them. They'd, they'd much rather drop it off to somebody near their house. Right. So we, have, we do the deep mulch. We have a lot of friends around here. Um, who are also doing deep mulch. And there's a lot of different ways that you can get it. Because, again, like Pete said, at least around here, and I'm sure everybody has a different area, but around here the tree guys have to pay to dump their mulch. So if if you ask them, hey, can I have your mulch, they're usually happy to get rid of it. So like Pete said, we know a a guy who has a tree company or, you know, what is it called? Taking down the tree company. Arbor service. (laughs) I don't know. Taking down the tree company. company. So um, every time he has a big truckload, Pete's like, yeah, dump it here. And he drives right down to our property and dumps it. And um, Initially, when I was, I was, I would even stop by if I saw somebody doing tree work near our house, I'd stop by and be like, hey, can I have the wood chips? Right. And I think you can just be creative. Like if you see a neighbor taking a tree down, just tell the neighbor, hey, tell the tree company I'll take their mulch. Or um, I have a girlfriend who... I guess she was able to call a number and get on a list of tree companies that would text her when they were in the area with wood chips, and then she got a ton of wood chips that way. So, um, and then I heard of one person who had to go and drive to the to the place to put it. You could put it in a truck and bring right. it home. So I I think you could just really, um, you know, look around. Didn't somebody? Yeah, some know, areas of the country, this is really hard to do, but. Yes. Somebody was like, what, prayed for wood chips or something, and then they saw they found they saw this random. <laughs> Didn't that happen? I can't remember. Okay, I don't know, but so this is a funny story though. But we have this area behind our barn, and I always have a couple truckloads of wood chips back there, and I use them um, for, with the chickens and for various uses whenever I need like a cartload of of wood chips. But my initial idea, because this was the only place I could think of to dump them, was I was going to then take these over to the forest garden, which is on the completely other side of the property. And I was just thinking about the, the massive number of like wheelbarrowfuls and cartloads of wood chips I was going to I was going to have to cart halfway across the property, which would be incredibly time consuming. And I just I was like, oh, maybe we need to buy something so that I could do this. It's just going to be so hard. And Kristen's like. 
and, and the reason I thought I had to do this was because there was a fence separating the forest garden from where there could be a drop-off point right there. And Kristen's like, just knock down the fence. And we're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and we always think about that and laugh because that one idea of just being willing to knock down a fence probably saved me hundreds of hours of work. We'll knock down the fence so that the tree guy could drive onto into the garden and dump them right into the garden. Right. So we, then, then I asked Billy, hey, could you just drive him over here? And he has, he doesn't have one of these huge, massive trucks. He has, it's a bit of a smaller truck. And said, yeah, sure, I'll just drive him over. And, and so he just, wherever I needed them, he would drop them right there for me. And I can move a truckload of wood chips in 20 minutes if it's exactly where I want it. Or two, three, four hours if it's where I don't need it. <laughs> so anyway, that little tidbit, see if you can get them as close as possible. Cause yeah. Um, it's a lot of organic material to move. Okay, so you put down 12 inches, 15 inches. Um, if you want to start smaller, you know, you can put down six inches and then reapply over the next couple of years. They do compact after a while. Um, but immediately, of course, you have to be patient for the soil to change, but immediately you get moisture retention. The next time it rains, all of that organic material is going to soak up the rain and like last year we had, it didn't rain for 45 days in the fall and the trees all looked great. I mean, they were totally fine. Mm. Um, that soil just held on to, the mulch holds on to a ton of moisture. And then as the earthworms and, and microbes start bringing that organic material down into the soil, the soil itself is going to start retaining mm. much more moisture than it otherwise would. Mm. Um, so you're going to get that right away. The other thing you get right away, if you put it down thick, it's just going to smother everything else underneath. So it's going to take care of the sod. You don't have to till anything. Um, I started out using paper. And if you're going to do the wood chips thinner, you know, you can put, I had construction paper or people using newspaper boxes. Mm-hmm. You can put that down and that helps suffocate the grass. But if you're putting it down 12 inches thick, it just, it just takes care of it. So I stopped using that paper entirely and I just put down the wood chips and it, mm-hmm. it's going to take care of the sod immediately. Um, and then what happens is you can listen to the soil scientists, people like Dr. Elaine Ingram, and they, they talk about the soil food web, but that for, for a tree or a garden area, you're going to want that to be a fungal-dominated soil. And most pasture areas or grass areas are going to be much more bacterial-dominated soils. So as soon as you put down all of those wood chips... <laughs> Sorry, this is just so funny that you're just sitting here talking about yeah. soil... Yeah, yeah. Help. I don't yeah. know. It's just funny to me because this is just not not ever where we thought our lives yeah. would go. My friend sent me this this meme of this like sad looking guy, and the the quote was, "When you're at the party and no one wants to talk about soil food health or that's something." That's what I, soil health. That's what I was like. I was like, yeah. Who wants about. to talk about? Soil like, we're just health. sitting here talking about bacterial and fungal soil. Yeah. Just yeah. weird where your life takes you. Yeah. Um, right. So ten years ago, I'd be like. Okay, yeah, great. (laughs) (laughs) So what we want is a soil that has millions of different varieties of bacteria and fungus and nematodes and protozoa and all these different things. I don't know much about them, but but you have this huge diversity and they do an incredible amount of stuff um, in a symbiotic way with the trees. And so when you get those wood chips down, it's going to provide the substrate for all of that to happen. Okay, now here's the biggest hard part <laughs> that I found. 
you put down 12, 15 inches of wood chips and you want to plant a tree and now you got you to gotta rake back mm. 15 inches of wood chips in a decent sized circle to plant that tree. And it's a pain. It's just really not fun. You don't need a, if you do this, you don't need a gym membership. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. That's the benefit. <laughs> like, don't worry about working out anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You get your workout. So anyway, planting it is difficult. And then if you, you know, in the Back to Eden film, Paul is planting these like tiny little seedlings and it's just so effortless and easy and then you've got this huge amount of raw wood chips. You're going to be like, I can't plant lettuce into this. Like, yes. it makes no sense. No. And that's true. That's true. It's just really hard to plant in. The good news is every time you plant a perennial, you're done. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's perennial. So you've got to just get that over with. Um, and then when it comes to annuals, I think that just go with really vigorous things to start with or things that grow well in the wood chips. And we'll talk about that. Right. So, yeah, what Pete's saying is put in your... If you have if you have twelve inches of wood chips, don't expect like I'm gonna put my lettuce seed. You can't plant in wood chips. You can't plant like your seeds in this twelve inches of. You can't plant them directly in the wood chips. No, you have There's to, a few things that'll grow directly in the wood chips, but very few. Right. So you want to plant those big things like your trees. We we <laughs> had a lot of luck planting like um, big, vigorous like pumpkins and. Yeah. Um, or butternuts or kushals, those squashes. But if you're having this little tomato plant or you have lettuce seeds, you you just have to wait a couple of years before you right. can. So what I, what I would do is do, this is what I would do, I think. You can tell me if you think you okay. do something different. But So say you put in your 12 inches of wood chips, which will give you great soil in the future. So we're just now getting that. Like we can rake back. We planted all of our tomatoes in that once deep, deep mulch, all of our kale, spinach, lettuces, this year we were able to do it really easily. But um, I think if you're just getting started, I would do a separate, a temporary separate garden for your lettuces and little things like that. Yeah, ideally you just don't even plant into it for a little while. Let it it sit there and suffocate out the grass and grow back. Of course, Mm -hmm. we really wanted to get moving on ours, so we um, we did plant it in any way, but yeah, so vigorous things, you can dig back a, a circle and then put corn into it or squash or pumpkins or watermelon. And those things are such strong seedlings. They're going to push up through a, a small layer of, you can leave an inch or half an inch or something of wood chips in the bottom. They'll push right through it. And then as it grows a month later, you can kind of push the wood chips back because mm-hmm. that thing's so strong. It's now, you know, it's moved it's moved past that. The other thing is, if you like beans, um, I I had packs of beans, bush beans. And I was like, ah, oh, just I don't, I, I hate wasting these, but I'm not going to do much with them. And so I planted rows of them directly into the wood chips. And this was like some of the wood chips I had just put them down a couple months ahead of time or something. Mm-hmm. And beans, I guess they, you know, they fix their own nitrogen. They're very vigorous. And we had, some of them didn't work out, but 50% of them turned into this huge crop of beans that came out of nowhere. We don't eat a lot of beans. That's the problem. But, um, but anyway, that's, that's another good one to try. Um, and I had a friend, so if you, this is a, I thought this was a really good idea and I'll give her a shout out. She listens to our podcast, so this will be <laughs> she, her shout out. But so she has a deep mulch and it takes years to, to really break down. Uh, but she loves tomatoes and really wanted to have a lot of tomatoes. So what she did was she grew her tomatoes in, she bought something called grow bags and she put the grow bags on top of the deep mulch and 
so that was what she did the first right. um, couple years while she was waiting for the mulch to break down. So yeah. thought that was a good yeah. idea. And like Kristen says, now for us, it's really easy to plant in. Yes, it's, it's it become is. very easy, um, especially in the gardens that have been there the longest. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it took us several years to install our entire garden. I actually just finished <laughs> a couple months ago. Woo-hoo. The whole thing. The whole yeah. thing. Um, so some areas are still fresh, but the areas that have been there a long time, it becomes really, really easy to plant into because right. what you have is you have a top layer of dried wood chips, but underneath that, now things have broken down to, into a compost and you can just plant directly into that. So you mm-hmm. scrape back a small layer of wood chips and you can plant, uh, you know, we've got rows of carrots, rows of lettuce, rows mm-hmm. of spinach and kale and things that are, you know, much smaller seedlings yeah, and they and can grow just fine in my, it. Oh my gosh, this year, you can see it on YouTube, but this year, I think this is my most successful greens year with the, um, the kale and the spinach and the lettuce. But I will say we still have to fertilize our stuff. Right. Okay. So you've, you probably realize this. It doesn't matter what the subject is. It could be anything. It could be iodized salt versus non-iodized salt. It could be like Pick any subject in the world, and then you're going to find two camps of people that disagree on it and fight back and forth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so here's a, here's an interesting one, is that the traditional garden people know that if you put wood in soil, it's going to rob all the nitrogen out of the soil. Carbon uh, binds to nitrogen, so if you put wood chips into soil, it's going to rob the nitrogen. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And so they look at deep mulch gardening and they say, this is a really dumb idea. It's going to rob all the nitrogen from the soil. And then all the deep mulch people say, no, it's not true. It's a myth. Mm-hmm. The nitrogen is not robbed as long as you don't mix it in the mm-hmm. soil. If you're just layering it on top. <clears throat> yeah. And so as with everything else in life, I think there's a more balanced approach. <laughs> Everybody's kind of right. And here's why. You're going to dig down and try and plant into that soil. And you just dug back inches of wood chips. And then you're going to try and plant something into it. It's nearly impossible not to have, you know, wood chips fall into whatever hole you're growing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, very difficult. So first thing is it's hard to keep the wood chips entirely out of the soil. And the second thing is I did some experiments and found that I think that it does rob some soil, some nitrogen from the very top layer of soil. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a bunch of things in in containers as I was growing some trees and I had wood chips on one and not on the other and everything else with all the other variables were exactly the same and the ones with wood chips on top needed some nitrogen. Mm. And so, um, anyway, I think it probably does. I don't know if it's true or not, but everything I've seen is it does rob a little bit of nitrogen from the very top layer of soil, which means as plants are getting started, um, for the first few years, while things haven't been broken down, so we have raw wood chips and things are just getting started, so the roots are all at that top layer, um, it's really helped for us to give some nitrogen to the plants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when we say nitrogen, not chemical fertilizer, because that's going to have unintended consequences that you don't want. So organic fertilizer, um, and I think you know there's all different kinds out there. You can just get a bag of general purpose organic fertilizer from the store if you don't have access to anything else. Well, the best thing is our like chicken manure and everything, but our garden is so huge we can't put that everywhere. Yeah. So we kind of pick out a spot each year to put we it. Can, on. We can't create enough compost yet for our whole garden. Yeah, um, I mean, but we but the places like that eggplant we had eggplant. Oh, and and the, <clears throat> sorry, the garlic. Yeah. The areas where we put our chicken compost down. Oh my gosh, they were just so huge and so much like and we would do a kind of net okay this part has the manure this part doesn't and the difference was 
incredible. So yeah. if you have a smaller garden and you have chickens, you could put the chicken manure over the whole thing and it would do really well. But we just, our garden's too big for that. So Paul's showing his garden and he's, he's showing this incredible produce and fruits and plants that are growing out of this wood chip gardening. But again, he's done it for 30 years. And so he's got 30 years of that covering providing an incredible place for the soil food web, for all the microbes and the earthworms and everything else that's in there to grow into this incredible ecology. And some of that starts right away, but a lot of it does take time. And so um, I think in every situation, if you're putting down a high fertility compost, something that was created from animal manure binded to uh, carbon of some sort or another, that's incredible. It's going to do so much. It's not like you put down wood chips and then all of a sudden there's amazing lettuces sprouting out of the ground. Yeah. I mean, that could happen. The, the soil we had at our old house was so much better and yeah, things moved much faster there. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have really bad soil. So if we can do it, if we can right. kind of change the soil, then it gives hope for a lot of people. Our soil, our soil was like yeah. clay, clay, clay. It was really hard to plant in. Yeah. Very hard. But okay. So that's great. Paul's been doing it for 30 years and I think all of us don't want to wait 30 years. <laughs> and so we can be patient. I'm willing to wait a few years, but I don't want to wait 30 years. And so what can we do to help speed up the process to make the ecology better as fast as possible. Well, we want all those wood chips to break down. We really do. And so one thing I found, we did this because I just wanted mushrooms to eat. Um, so we planted wine cap mushrooms. It's called King Strafaria. And we planted them in the garden. And I did it in a couple areas in, in a diameter, uh, maybe a three or five foot diameter around several of the trees. And so then I came back the next spring and there was a couple inches of a depression in the wood chips wow. around these trees because I found out later that these things are incredible at eating carbon. That's it. They eat wood chips. That's what they want to do. And so I had added this, um, this mycelium and it really helped break down the wood chips a whole lot faster. So um, that's one thing you can do to, to kind of speed up the process. I also added mycorrhizal fun, fungi. Fungus. Or fungi. fungi. Is it called? <laughs> the fungi. Um, and so that's most of your garden vegetables and almost all of the trees are going to want to have this kind of, of fungus around their roots. And the soil scientists have proven this over and over again. It's really, really beneficial for a whole bunch of reasons. And so we inoculated the soil with all of that. If you have access to compost and can put that down before you put the wood chips down, I mean, by all means, go for it. That's really going to be useful. Any kind of good compost, any kind of good organic compost. Um, and so I was installing the garden. It was fall, and all these people were putting bags of leaves oh, out by, yeah. the, by the road to like get rid of them. And I'm... You know, because I didn't specify the wood chips I want, sometimes I got these truckloads that were perfectly like an oak tree mixed in with beautiful leaves. And then sometimes I'd get a tree that was probably dead but standing there for a couple years, and it was just pure wood chips, no leaves in it at all. Mm -hmm. And I knew that wasn't gonna, that was going to have a much harder time breaking down. And well, so, real quickly, wasn't so we we have we labeled our gardens garden number one, two, three, and four because it's like it's a pathway that is. That there's a pathway that goes between them, so it's four yeah. big, huge gardens with a pathway. So garden number two, that's our best soil, and you said that was more leaves or something, wasn't that? Yeah, you had yeah. More leaves no, in that the, one. The, um, our our tree guy friend was doing his job where they they had like a mountain of old wood chips that had been really broken down, and so um, he's he just needed to get rid of it. He said, "Can I bring these by?" And I'm like, "Sure, bring them by." And so 
he laid all of that down and then I put some fresh wood chips over top of it and oh gosh that's like the best stuff so if you can get broken down wood chips go for it that was where my stuff did the best yeah sure. they're gonna sprout a lot more weed so you know mm-hmm. we put a we put a coating of raw wood chips on top of that to help with the weed control but mm-hmm. um, but yeah that stuff's really really good but anyway all these people were putting these bags and bags of leaves out by their house and I was like well I got several truckloads of just straight wood chips I'm gonna take their leaves and so I I filled up the van with, with all of these bags of leaves. And this was another one of those moments where you'd be like, yeah, I'm literally taking people's bags of old leaves off of their property. Yeah, I was like, we are the weird neighbors. <laughs> we are definitely the weird ones. My soil food web needs them. Peter's um, like going through collecting people's trash bags of leaves. <laughs> Great, we've come to this. So anyway, I grabbed all these leaves, and then I was like, oh, it'll be too much of a like pain to mix these in with the wood chips. I'm just going to throw them down and then put the wood chips over top. And so I did. And then I came back the next year and was trying to plant into this stuff. And it was like I dig through the wood chips, and then there was like an inch or two of just matted, gross, disgusting leaves <laughs> that it turned into this like huge. You didn't tell like, me this. Oh, it was gross. <laughs> So in order for things to break down, they need oxygen, it <laughs> turns out. You know, and I had created this huge layer of just sopping wet, like, you might as well use plastic or something. You and never was, told me about this failure. Yeah, so that was a failure. <laughs> so if you do leaves, that's incredible. Just make sure you mix them in so they, they don't become a, well, a what, Which garden is this? Where is this? This was in part of garden number one. Yeah, this was one of the early oh, okay. experiments. Well, they're gone now because now you can. They do it. eventually break down. It just took. Yeah, it, it's it fine. took an extra, you know, six months or a year or something. They did right. finally break it's down. It's fine now, though. Yeah. That's funny. Okay, so keep in mind we had like no gardening skill at all going into all of this seven, eight years ago, and so we watched Back to Eden and some other things, and then they show like perfectly weedless gardens, and so you put down all these wood chips, and you'll never have a weed again. And I remember thinking that was curious because Paul would plant little seeds into it and they would grow amazingly. And I'm saying, how does his little seedlings grow amazing, but no weeds ever grow? I was kind of confused by it. I didn't understand what was going on. And so when people like Paul, or there's other, there's plenty of people that do kinds of different kinds of compost gardening, roost out gardening, there's a bunch of different variations of this. And they talk about no weeds. What they're really talking about is a whole lot less weeds than traditional gardening. <laughs> so a lot of people have their little vegetable garden. It's like a 12 by 12 space and they till it up and then they put seedlings in. And then by the end of the season, the entire thing's covered in weeds and they couldn't control it. So this is like a 12 by 12 area. And they say, how could you have this massive garden and control the weeds? And I think that's what Paul is saying is that he, and then he's, you know, he has a hard time walking and different things. He can control his garden because it's so much better than the traditional gardening. Mm-hmm. But if you're thinking no weeds, that's not it at all. They're still going to grow. Yeah, that's part of our just, you know, curse of, you know, living in this world that <clears throat> will toil, you know. Yeah. And so there are, there are weeds. And it was funny because recently I was weeding and I was kind of annoyed. Um, I was weeding like a flower garden and I was like, oh, I don't want to be doing this. And then I was kind of like... But really, what else would I be doing right now? I mean, it's a good way to just... Sometimes we just get offended by the idea of work. And right. there we can there can be, like, too much work, which is... I, I have taken out some gardens because it became too much work. But, you know, work isn't a terrible thing. So, I don't know. Sometimes, like, Pete and I will be out there together weeding. And it's just, like, you just have to look at it as, this is fun. Yeah. <laughs> what else would I be? It's like a workout together. Yeah. I don't know. 
Yeah, and so, okay, so to be a little bit more specific about that is the top layer of wood chips is going to keep less weeds in there because it's a mulched area, and everybody knows if you put down mulch, you're going to have less weeds. So that is true. Um, But the second huge benefit is as the soil gets better and gets really, really soft, it becomes a whole lot easier to work with. So Mm -hmm. there's a video of Paul, and a whole bunch, this whole area had sprouted up in weeds, and he was like, oh, I'm not worried about that. And you look at it and be like, how can you not be worried about it? Like, if you don't get these weeds out of here, they're going to get big, they're going to get established, and you're going to be in trouble. And, uh, and somebody asks him about it again. He's like, oh, no, I'm not worried about it. He says, here, let me, let me show you how I weed. And he's, he takes out his rake, and he just, he just rakes over it a few times, put, you know, rakes the wood chips back on, and he clears out this entire section of weeds in, in like, seconds. And he'd be like, what just happened? Mm. It's because that soil is so soft. Mm. And if you've ever pulled out, a, tried to pull out a dandelion from, say, you know, your yard, it's just going to snap right off. If you want that thing to come out, you're going to have to dig mm. down, bigger, bring out the root. Um, and so as the soil gets softer and you say, here's a dandelion, you just grab it and, and it pulls out with a two-foot root and just comes right out of the ground. You'd be like, oh, that is pretty easy, mm. comparatively speaking. And um, and we are starting to see some of our uh, some of the sections in our garden to the point where you can kind of just rake over it and the weeds come out and and it's like oh that's why he's not worried about it. But um, having said that, you have to learn your weeds and you have to stay on top of some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, last fall we got really busy. We were doing soccer, different things, and some thistles started to come up in the ground in the garden. I was like, ah, oh, whatever. I don't. I just I couldn't get to it. It bothered me, but I didn't do anything about it. It was a mistake. <laughs> now I'm pulling thistle out of the yard, and we have a nice thistle patch in our yeah, garden. <laughs> it has these horizontal runners underground, and so the only way to get th- get rid of thistle is you got to pick it like three, four, five, six times. It'll finally give up and stop sprouting. But um, but now I'm having to do that this year. Instead of picking it once, I'm picking it five, six times. Right. Um, and then the last thing about weeding is just maintain the edge. Wherever your garden runs into pasture or grass is, is keep that transition with an edger or a weeder. I use a flame weeder, which is really cool. I feel like I'm, I'm on like Ghostbusters or something. <laughs> um, but maintain that edge because it'll do it naturally to start with, but then a whole bunch of those, those pasture grasses and legumes and stuff are going to try and grow into it. And um, you're going to end up with, with trouble if you don't maintain the edge. So mm. I think that's important. Yeah, that is. That is important. And then uh, everybody's space is different. Everybody's time constraints are different. We did a huge garden. It's massive. But you can do this thing. Stefan Sokoviak always just says, just start small. Mm-hmm. Just start with two trios. That means six trees. Start with, with something that you think that you can manage and, and have a good experience with and then maybe expand as time goes on. Yes, I definitely recommend starting small and growing. Peter and I were just so eager. We just started really, really big. It was funny because Pete was kind of focusing his energy on putting in the the forest garden, and then I was turning this backyard area into this huge, like, herb garden, and then it just was like, wow, this is a lot of garden, so yeah. I would definitely say just start small yeah. and build, yeah. and... Yeah, but the vision's becoming a reality, <laughs> and so, yeah, we're going to have... I think it has such a cool look to it. It's, it's, it's tidy, but it's also a permaculture thing where there's all kinds of diversity. I think it looks really neat, and the trees are getting pretty, so we're going to have some of these YouTube videos up, and you can actually see it. Well, I will say it's funny because... I did. I was not a fan of the deep mulch because I was growing so many little herbs from seed, and you just, yeah. like Pete says, you can't you can't plant little things in deep mulch. It'll it just won't work. The mulch will fall over and crush it, and there's just not enough room. And 
Um, so I had this big herb garden in the backyard and I did not do Pete's like, that's going to get taken over by weeds. And I was like, I can't do deep mulch because I can't plant these little tiny seedlings in the mulch. And then sure enough, my herbs got big and beautiful and I was very proud of them. And then the weeds just got to be way too much for me. And (laughs) I was like, okay, you're right. So then what I ended up doing was transplanting my, most of my herbs into the the forest garden, so yeah. I'm, I'm taking over, coming over to Pizza Park. Yeah, and I'm happy to have them there. You know, they, these things are all flowering all through the summer, so you yeah. bring in all kinds of good bees. And, it's really, and, Pete was right. It's funny, because this is all a big experiment to us, and I would always laugh and be like, what if this is just a big, massive failure? Right, because there's so many few people that do it, and you, you see it. You see it on the, the videos on the internet and the documentaries, and be like, this must be possible because they're doing it, but I don't know anybody who's doing this. I know, I know. But it's, now we're doing it. It's working. Five, we're five years into yeah. it. It is working. And a bunch of our crazy friends are starting to do it, too. So. Yeah, very exciting. Well, I think that's it for today, and we definitely recommend uh, seeing the Back to Eden film. And... You can check out, if you want to see our garden, see more of it, see the pretty garden gate that Peter built. Yeah. Peter's a really good builder. Maybe I'll put some, maybe we'll yeah. put some um, building episode, uh, videos in with our yeah. garden. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what you we can see our video. It's no longer called my movie because <laughs> it's a little better Yes, yeah, so you can see our garden and our homestead stuff if you want to on YouTube uh, now at Homestead Story. Pete and Kristen or Peter and Kristen. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. See if you can find it. All right, everybody. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.